0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a story is told of a man who called the church and asked if he could speak to the head hog of the trough. The secretary, not believing your ears, asked him to repeat what he had requested. I want to speak to the head hog of the trough. The secretary asked, To whom are you referring? I call the pastor the head hog of the trough. Sir, the secretary responded, You may talk with the pastor, but we do not refer to him as the head hog of the trough. The man replied, I have $20,000 I want to give to the building program. After a minute, the secretary stated, Well, I see the big pig walking in right now. One moment, please. Now, while I don't know anyone who would turn down $20,000, the question can certainly be asked, is that the right attitude for giving? When we take a look at the world, you may hear things that the world believes about the church in regards to money. Maybe you even have some of those same feelings. Here are a few of them. The church only wants me for my money. The idea that the only reason we want you sitting here in these pews is so that you will give of your treasures as the offering plate passes by. The church is greedy like everyone else in the world. And thus, if the church is no different than the world... Why do I need the church? Can you really trust the church with your money? I mean, with all of the scandals that happen in churches today, why would I be shocked to find out that there are financial scandals as well? On top of that, they make me feel guilty if I don't give, if I don't donate. And the last thing that I want to hear when I walk into church is them asking for money. Yet, it seems like that's the first thing that they do. I don't really think the church should talk about money. I can barely afford to pay my bills as it is, and now you want me to take that money and just give it away? Does the church really want me to be poor and lose my house? Why does God want us to give him money? I mean, it's not like he needs it anyway. What's he going to spend it on? Plus, I have worked hard to earn this money. It is mine, and it does not belong to anyone else. The last point is really where our discussion of stewardship rests today. Money can be an issue anywhere at work, with family, in relationships. And the church is not immune from any of that because the church is made up of people who work and have family and are in relationships. So, does God need our money? Well, let me give a reminder about stewardship because we did talk about this a couple months ago. A steward Is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. When we talk about being stewards, we talk about being managers. The kind of managers, the kind of stewards we're talking about are the stewards, the managers of all that God has given us. And when we look at the first article of the Apostles' Creed, we say this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then, for all you catechism people out there, we respond with, What does this mean? And the answer is, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. God is the maker of heaven and earth. God is our creator, and we are his creatures, his creation. That means he is our one true master. And as maker and creator, God is the owner of everything. He has made everything on this earth, and he has given us these abundant blessings. And he has called us to be in charge of it, to take care of it. All of it. It's not ours. It's all his. But he has graciously blessed us with it, given it to us. We have been called to be his managers, his stewards. And even though that we can say that God is the master of our life, doesn't mean that we treat him that way. Jesus said in the gospel reading, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Who or what really is your master? can be answered when you evaluate where you put your time, your effort, and your money. Jesus was teaching his disciples about many concerns in these early chapters of Matthew. He discussed loving one's enemies. He discussed giving to the needy. He discussed prayer. He discussed fasting as just a few topics. And they were not these random ideas that popped into his head and then he taught on them. Rather, he was taking this trickle of thought and turning it it into a stream of emphasis on helping one determine who or what really is one's true master. He continued in the gospel reading for today do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Satan wants you to believe that you are the owner and the steward. That you do it all. Satan wants you to believe that you can store up whatever treasures you want on earth because they are your treasures treasures. God is not the master. You are. And these thoughts are exactly the kinds of thoughts that we actually want to hear. Because we're selfish, sinful people. Psalm 51 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And in Romans we hear, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When it comes to allowing the real, true master to be the master, we fail time and time again. Because we want to be the masters of our lives. The struggle we have is in our human nature because it directs us toward getting and receiving rather than giving. That's why we always put ourselves first and God after us. Second, third, fourth, last. God doesn't want to be second. He certainly doesn't want to be last. But we don't want to give, we just want to receive. And this is a great thing to talk about with stewardship. Now, this morning, you saw that I gave Penny 10 pieces of candy. For free. All I asked for was one back. Seemed pretty easy for her. There's probably something to be said about their having faith like a child. But what would you do? Would you give me one back? As easy as she did? I mean, if you had all ten, they're yours. Or would you come up with all kinds of excuses as to why you couldn't even just give me one? And what if we turned that candy into cash? Right? And I gave you a nice $10 bill. Would it be as easy to give me $1 back? I mean, that's the problem in our lives. We often don't talk about the 90% of everything that God has given us. We focus on that little 10% that we have to give back. But let me let you in on a little secret. You don't have to give back anything. You can keep it all. Most of the world lives like this. I would venture to guess. The point is, God has given us everything in this world. All of the stuff. He's given us everything that we need to support this body and life. A roof over our heads. Clothes on our back. Food to eat. Money in our pocket. Family. Friends. Everything that we have, he has given it to us. And everybody is different, right? Some have more than others. And it's not because God favors you or loves you more. I know that God loves you. I know that he loves me. But that doesn't mean that he's gonna make us all rich. And actually, the more you have, the harder it is. Jesus says in Matthew, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The more you have, the harder it is to give up that master. When we talk about stewardship, about being managers, we're saying that God only wants us to give a little back. He's not demanding it. This is not the law. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver. And that people shouldn't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Another way to look at it is by remembering that all things, including money, belongs to God. And the real question is how much of what belongs to him are we going to keep for ourselves? And how much are we going to use to fulfill his purposes? King David said it well in First Chronicles, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now let me let you in on another little secret. When we talk about that 10%, it's not just money. It's about your talents. God wants you to use your abilities, the things that he has given you, blessed you with, for his glory. And it's also about the time that you spend with him and for him. Now, speaking of time, did you know that the one hour that you spend here today, I mean, and I know that some of you want me to keep it one hour, because I see you all start to get antsy in your pantsies once 1145 comes around. Not all of you, but some of you. The one hour that you spend here today And for those of you who are lucky to claim that extra hour in Bible study, those two hours, not even 10% of your day. Do you spend today with God two and a half hours? I mean, that would be your 10%. And if you put that into the perspective of the entire week, the hour that most of you spend here today is half of a percent that you are giving up to God. And how difficult is that? Sometimes it's pretty difficult. I say this to you because if we're going to focus on a radical stewardship makeover in 15 days... I have to make some radical statements to you. Now, I don't mean to make you feel guilty, because God wants you to give back to him in ways of time, talent, and treasure as a response to his love. Not out of guilt, not reluctantly, not under compulsion like Paul says. God knows that there is still 90% of everything else untouched. That is if you're giving back that 10%, that one piece of candy, that one dollar. He's still leaving you with nine. And in fact, God blesses you when you are faithful, when you're consistent, and when you rely upon him in your life. He will bless you more than you know. And I don't just mean financially, because you won't find anywhere in the Bible God saying that he wants you to be rich financially. He may give you thousands of pieces of candy in return. And even with that, we still fail. In fact, God doesn't want you to be rich financially. He wants you to be rich in faith. When we aren't good stewards, when we aren't good managers, we are putting ourselves, our lives first. And we're not rich in faith then. We're poor in faith. And we could even become bankrupt in faith. Meaning that there is no faith to be found in us. When we save our earthly lives, when we prioritize the things of this world, the things of this earth over our faith, we can lose our heavenly lives. Because the result of our sin, the prize that we receive for all of our sin is death. It's eternal death. It's hell, forever being separated from God and all of his abundant blessings. If you try and save your earthly life, make that your priority in life, focus on the treasures of this earth, you will lose your eternal life and you will find no heavenly treasures. And this is true for all of us. And that's why Jesus came even though we may not give generously god gave generously for you john 3:16 says god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life god gave generously for you and all he asks in return is that he be your master and the good news is is that he is the one who helps you make him be your master. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to create faith in you, to help you lead a God-pleasing life, to live your life with God as your master and your owner. And the gifts that you give him in response to that love demonstrate that he is your master. And God, your master, continually speaks to you and gives you abundant blessings through his word and through his sacraments. His greatest blessing, of course, was his greatest treasure, that being his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross to remove your sin from you through his death and through his subsequent resurrection from the dead. Jesus died for all of the times that you are not generous with your time. He died for all the times that you are not generous with your talents and not generous with your treasures. He died for all of the times that you do not give cheerfully. He died for all of the times you do not allow him to be your master. For all of the times you act as the owner for all of your sins. Even the ones you don't think are worthy of his forgiveness. Christ died for them. Christ died for you. Christ died for me too. And that is what we focus on. As we heard in Hebrews, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him. I always thought that was an interesting line. Jesus is not just our example and our model. He is our Lord and Master because He is the one, the only one, who could have loved us enough to live a perfect life for us, to give His life for us. How? Joyfully. Joyfully laying down His life for us. Joyfully dying on the cross for us in order to give us eternal life. Whether we know it or not, our life begins and ends with Jesus. Whether we believe it or not, Jesus is our owner and our master, and we are the managers. Whether we are prioritizing him or not, he is the one who will help us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he will be the one to add all of these things onto us as well. And it is he who will help us run this race with perseverance, and consistency, making him our first priority, our master. And finally, he is the one who helps us to finish our faith, to complete the race, where we will then see him face to face. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.